What's up, everybody? Charlie Craig here with episode seven of Life His Way. Today, I'm continuing with our little conversation on light and the darkness. And today, I want to talk about relationships. I want to talk about friendships and what kind of friends we need when we are going through a tough season of life. I cannot wait to jump into today's content. So today I want to share some encouragement and maybe some forewarnings when it comes to friendships while we're walking through a dark season or just relationships in general. And the truth of the matter is that we're always going to have to be dealing with people no matter what season of life we're in. And even though we may have less of a social capacity while we're going through a storm or through a tough season, we cannot cut off community. If we want to get out of the storm better and not bitter, we cannot cut out godly community in our lives as believers in Jesus Christ. And this is what I view community as. I view community as a support system of people. And as a believer, as a Christian, I need godly community. As believers, we need godly community. God said that it's not good for man to be alone. We need other Christians in our lives. We need other believers in our lives, speaking into our lives, people who support us and that we support as well in every season of life, but especially a dark season that we all go through as life goes on. The health of your community will be tested when you go through a bad season. The health of our community is going to be tested when we go through a dark season or through a bad season of life. When we're going through great seasons of life and we're on the mountaintop, then it's kind of easy to be relational and to have community. But when we're going through a valley or when we're going through a dark season or going through a storm, the health of relationship, the health of community is then tested. And this is why we need healthy, godly community in our lives. When we're in a bad season, we find out who's who in our lives. When we're going through a dark season, we quickly find out who is who and what their role is in our lives when we're going through a tough season. I believe, and this is how I categorize people, and this is not based off of um, like expertise, but this is based off of my experience, how I view people, that there are friends there are associates, there are what I may call bystanders or observers in our lives, and then there's also enemies. That in all of our lives, we have friends, we have associates, we have bystanders, and we have enemies. That's just the truth of the matter. These are factual labels that I use and factual positions that I use in my life. And this is how I view it, and this is how I experience it in particular. There are friends, and this is what friends are to me. Friends are the people that you're vulnerable with. The people that you're vulnerable with and that you're natural with, no matter how much time or distance you have spent apart. 
Friends are people that you can be vulnerable with and people that you can just be natural with, that you don't have to put on any type of facade, but you can just be yourself with your friends and be natural. And there's a healthy emotional connection between friends. And then there are associates. The associates are the people that you're with and that you're friendly to, but you're not emotionally vulnerable with. And they require a level of performance to be around. That you just can't be 100% natural with your associates. Their relationship requires some type of performance and some type of effort to kind of put on a little bit of a facade with your associates. But you're friendly with them. And then there are bystanders or observers that are in our lives. And these are the people that we're connected with because of proximity. But we have little emotional equity in these relationships. It might be the person that works down the hall from you, but you don't work directly with. It might be the person that lives near you and you say to people, yeah, that's Johnny up the street and he seems like a nice guy. There are people who are just around you, but you're not necessarily emotionally connected with in any type of way, but they're not enemies of you and they're not bad people, but you're just not friends and you're not necessarily associates either. And then there's enemies in our lives that we all have enemies. And these are people who actively work against you or they are people who do not have your best interests at heart. The enemies are people who actively work against you or they could be defined as people who do not have your best interest at heart. And that definition is where it can get a little bit tricky in identifying an enemy. That an enemy can actually be someone that's fun to be around, but they don't have your best interest at heart, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally. And then the more obvious definition is that person or the people who are working against you and fighting against you actively. So it's good to know where people stand and who's who before you go through a dark season or before you go through a storm in your life. But a dark season will help you to quickly identify who is who in your life and what title or what position they hold, whether they're a friend or whether they're an enemy or something in between. It's good to know who people are before you go through a dark season, but a dark season will help you identify who's who in your life. So when you're going through a dark season, if you find yourself surrounded by a bunch of enemies, then obviously that's going to be harmful to you and you're going to come out of that season bitter instead of better. If you're surrounded by a bunch of observers or a bunch of bystanders, then while you're in that dark season, you're going to feel lonely even though you're in a crowd of people. And coming out of that season, you're going to become bitter and not better as well. If you're surrounded by a bunch of 
associates while you're going through a tough season in your life, then you're going to feel exhausted and you're going to begin to withdraw and begin to isolate yourself and you're going to become bitter and not better. But if you have a friend, if you have just a few friends while you're walking through a tough season of life, they're going to walk with you through that season and through that storm and you will be blessed and you'll come out of that storm better instead of bitter. So in the Old Testament, there's a book called Ruth that tells the story of Ruth and how she was redeemed after going through a terrible season of life and how God just really blessed her. And it was all through relationship. In the book of Ruth, that obviously tells the story of a woman by the name of Ruth, but included in the story, a big part of the story is the deep connection and the deep friendship that she had with her mother-in-law, who is named Naomi. Naomi is Ruth's mother-in-law, and Naomi was a widow. She lost her husband, and some time goes by, and Ruth's husband, who was the son of Naomi, he dies as well, and her other daughter-in-law, by the name of Orpah, her husband dies as well. So, Naomi loses her husband, some time goes by, and she loses both of her sons, but obviously she still has some type of relationship or, or so with her daughter-in-laws, Ruth and Oprah. So Naomi has lost her husband, now she's lost her two sons, and she's still connected with her daughter-in-laws, Ruth and Oprah. And these three women have all experienced tragedy at this point. They're all walking through a dark season at this point. Naomi has lost her two sons and she's lost her husband. Ruth has lost her father-in-law and she's lost her husband. Oprah, the same. They all have experienced great loss in their lives and they're going through a time of grief, obviously that this is a valley that they're walking through, that they're walking through some tragedy in their life. And this tragedy has all happened in such a short time period. So these three women are all connected through family, and now they're all connected through experiencing tragedy, and they're walking through a tough season. And in Ruth chapter one, the Bible tells us that after the death of her two sons, Naomi, the mother-in-law, tells her daughter-in-laws to go back to their own home country. She tells Ruth and she tells Orpah to return to their own home country while Naomi returns to hers as well. And she says to Ruth and Orpah, that they need to go back to where they're from. And the Bible tells us that when Naomi says this to Ruth and Orpah, that they are both grieved, that they're both saddened that Naomi is asking them to go back home and to start their lives over while she goes back home 
and grieves and lives the rest of her days alone. So a very sad situation that Naomi is now telling Ruth and Oprah to go back home and now they're grieving and they're saying, no, we don't want to leave and we don't want to split up our friendship and split up our family even more than what it has been. And Naomi goes on to express her hopelessness. Naomi goes on to express her bitterness and to express her grief towards them. And Naomi tells them again, hey, you really do need to go back to where you're from as I go back to where I'm from to live out the rest of my days. And with sadness, the Bible tells us that Oprah looks at Naomi and she says her goodbyes. She says goodbye, and Oprah makes the choice to go back to where she's from. But an interesting thing happens with Ruth. Ruth, like Oprah, is asked to go back home where she's from, but the Bible tells us that Ruth refused to go that Ruth refused to let go of the relationship and the connection that she has with Naomi. This is what it says in Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. Ruth says, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, speaking to Naomi, I will go. And where you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Like there's a spiritual connection in this friendship that's deeper than just being associates or just being bystanders in, in their lives. In verse 17, Ruth goes on to even say this, where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. So Ruth is adamant about this. I mean, she's serious about this friendship and about this relationship. And she's saying, I refuse to leave you. I refuse to desert you and to forsake you. In verse 18, it says this, and when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said no more. She said no more and she allowed her to be a part of her life and a part of her journey. And my goal today is not to talk about the entire story and the entire relationship between Ruth and Naomi, um, although it does have a very happy ending. I encourage you to go read that whole book. I simply want to look at this encounter and I want to use it to encourage us. I want to look at this encounter between Ruth, Naomi, and Oprah and use it to encourage us. And here's the truth of the matter. Everyone is dealing with something. Everybody is dealing with some type of challenge in their lives. We see this between Ruth, Naomi, and Oprah, that they're all dealing with grief, that they're all going through a dark season. And guess what? Everybody that we encounter, whether they want to admit it or not, we're all facing some type of challenge. It may be a deeper challenge for a season, or it may be a light challenge, but we're all dealing with something. However you process loss, and disappointment, do not process it alone. However you choose to process your grief, 
to process your loss, to process your disappointment, my advice and my encouragement to you is do not process alone. Do not process alone. While in a dark season, we have the temptation to completely withdraw and isolate ourselves like Naomi wanted to do. We have the temptation to suppress and to deny the reality of what we're feeling, or we can lean into healthy community and lean into godly community and godly counsel like Ruth chose to do. Ruth made the right decision to stay connected and to help Naomi stay connected as well. She made the right decision not to go about her own way and to separate the group and they all isolate themselves or go back to what they previously knew. Ruth said, I'm going to stay connected and keep this relationship and keep this friendship. Why? Because we need each other. Ruth needed Naomi and Naomi needed Ruth. And Oprah, as well, was in need of this relationship, but she decided to go ahead and walk away. Oprah left, and you hear nothing else about her story. You hear nothing else about her journey. I don't know if she had a happy ending or if she just lived out the rest of her days grieving. And this, I don't know, and we don't know what Oprah's story looks like, but we do know that Ruth and Naomi were blessed because they stayed connected and engaged in godly community. Looking at these three women, we see that everybody is dealing with pain and everyone deals with it differently. That we all deal with pain and we all deal with pain in a unique way kind of way because God's created us and wired us all differently. But here's the common thread when it comes to the people of God is that God does not want us to walk through a dark season alone and to isolate ourselves and to take ourselves away from godly community. Oprah went back to her past. Oprah went back to the people that she knew. Naomi wanted to isolate herself and go back home and to live out the rest of her days grieving and in misery. But Ruth chose to stay with Naomi because she saw the value of godly friendship. She saw the value of godly community and godly relationship walking through the grieving process with a godly friend will help you make it through that process stronger on the other side. It won't be an easy process, but we'll be better for it when we have godly counsel and godly friendships in our lives. Because of their spiritual connection, Ruth and Naomi, because of their deep friendship, because of their godly community, both Ruth and Naomi were blessed and God was able to turn their situation around for the better. We have nothing that tells us about the rest of Oprah's life, like I said before, that we don't know what became of Oprah's life, but we do know that Ruth and Naomi were blessed. And here's the thing, not 
everyone has the capacity to walk with you in a dark season. Not everyone in your life has the capacity to walk with you through a dark season. Not everyone is meant to walk with you through a dark season. Not everyone is called to walk with you through a dark season. But the ones who are loyal, the friendships that we have in our lives, the ones who are faithful to their relationship are the ones who refuse to to desert you and the ones who refuse to forsake you. The people that God has strategically placed in your life and the people that are called to friendship with you and the people who are called to be in your life on purpose, they will refuse to forsake you and they will refuse to desert you no matter what the situation may be. And I believe that God strategically places those people in our lives as believers. I just believe that and I've experienced it as I've gone through a dark season in my life. And here's my plea to you is to be grateful for the people who stay. It's to be grateful for the people who are loyal to you. My plea is for you to be grateful for the ones who are faithful to you and the ones who have stayed by your side in good times, and especially in bad times. Because here's the truth of the matter. Those who should not stay in our lives will not stay in our lives. But the ones that God has strategically strategically placed in our lives, we should be grateful for them. We should express gratitude to them. We should express gratitude for them. That we don't need to force an associate to be a friend that we don't need to force bystanders to be our friends, that we especially do not need to mistake an enemy for being a friend. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, a friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. That God is saying that godly friendship, godly relationships, that's going to be there at all times. They're going to do right by you at all times. And those relationships are made for adversity, that they're made to walk with you through the tough seasons of your life. When you walk through the dark seasons of life, when you walk through your darkest season in life, God sends people to help you. Like, I just know that for a fact. He's done it for me. That when you're walking through the toughest seasons of your life, God sends people to help you through it. And God will use you and God will use me. He uses us as well to be a blessing to the people in our lives who may be struggling. That that's how it works in the kingdom of God. That we build one another up with love. I love what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. It says that two people are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. 
For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. For a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Like we are better together, that we're made for relationships and friendship and godly community, that that's how God has wired us. Again, he says, not good for mankind to be alone. I love the account that we find in Mark chapter two about the paralyzed man um, who was brought to Jesus. And in Mark chapter two, it tells about the man who could not walk, he was paralyzed, and how four men carried him, pushed through a crowd, got him on the roof of a home where Jesus was teaching. They tore a hole through that roof and lowered the man down to Jesus so that Jesus would heal him. Like that's loyalty right there. Like that's friendship right there. The paralyzed man, because of his friends, received salvation from Jesus and he received his physical healing from Jesus as well because of his friends. And here's my question to us. Where are our friends taking us? Are our friends taking us closer to Jesus or are they pulling us further away from Jesus? Where are the people in our lives taking us? If the people in your life are taking you further away from Jesus, then I, I boldly say this. They are not your friends they are your enemies. If they're taking you away from Jesus, then that means that they do not have your best interests at heart. Whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, they're not your friends, they're your enemy because they're taking you further away from Jesus. An enemy does not have your best interests at heart, again whether that's intentionally or whether it's unintentionally. If someone's idea of comforting you is to force you to compromise your integrity, your health, or your godly values, then they are not your friend, they are your enemy. And you should place boundaries on those kind of relationships, all right? If they're forcing you to compromise your godly values, your physical health, and your integrity, then they are not your friends, but they're your enemies. And boundaries need to be placed on those kind of relationships as soon as possible. Taking somebody out and getting them hammered is not something that a friend would do, all right? Taking somebody out to get what their struggle is off their mind and to get hammered and to get plastered and to um, um, sacrifice their good health and to sacrifice their well-being, to sacrifice their mental state of being, that's not friendship, right? Do you hear what I'm saying? 
right? That's not friendship. Encouraging someone to have a one-night stand or to have multiple relationships with people, uh, to, to move past maybe a previous relationship is not something that a friend would do. Like that's not having your best interest at heart. Like encouraging someone to eat trash food and to gossip and to watch trash television to get their mind off of what they're going through, that's not friendship. Like that's not friendship. Those are all tactics of repression to suppress the reality of what they're going through. And this leads to further depression. And a true friend would not do that, right? That's all I'm saying, is that a true friend would not do that. So much we hear about mental health and we hear about taking care of our mental health and what that means. But so many times, often I see people run to these bad relationships and to have bad friendships and, and, and that's going to be taxing on their mental health. That's going to take away from their mental physical, and spiritual health. Like it's not healthy in any kind of way when an enemy disguises themselves as a friend. And you may truly think that they are your friend, but I'm here to expose the lie of the enemy, Satan, and to say to you that if they're causing you to compromise your godly values, then they are your enemy and they're not your friend. A true friend. Godly friendship is going to bring you closer to Jesus. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Paul writes this and he says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company corrupts good morals. Like you may think, well, we're having fun and we feel good in the moment and we're laughing and we're smiling, but it's just suppressing the reality of your situation. And that's how the enemy gets a foothold in our lives is through bad relationships, by keeping bad company, by keeping bad people around and having them speak into your lives instead of godly counsel. A true friend tells the truth with love at the right time. All right? Do you hear me? A true friend, a godly friend, will tell you the truth with love at the right time. A godly friend will not gossip with you, but they will process with you. A godly friend encourages you in healthy habits, both spiritually and physically. A godly friend has depth beyond common interest and proximity. But there is emotional and spiritual connection between you and godly friendship that leads to your growth and to your help. This is all I'm saying, is that when you're going through a tough season in life, when you have a godly friend walking with you through that tough season, then you're going to come out of that season better and not bitter. Do not allow the enemy to fool you into thinking that just because you're having fun, that that's your friend. Do not allow the enemy to fool you that just because you're able 
to escape for a temporary moment that that's bringing healing into your life. It's not. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 9 says this, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. That a true friend is going to counsel with you, is going to walk with you, is going to help you process the things that you go through, not just suppress it and pretend like it didn't happen just for temporary pleasure. Choose your friends wisely because your future will reflect your friends. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says it like this. Whoever walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Like whoever walks with the wise will become wise, but whoever keeps the company of fools will suffer harm. You're going to be the sum average of the people that you spend the most time with. You're going to be the sum average of the people that you're closest with. Who your friends are will determine how you come out of a storm, with a bitter heart or with a stronger heart. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 2 that when this paralyzed man could not help himself, his friends helped him. And when they were faced with an inconvenience of a crowd, when they were faced with obstacles, they were still desperate for their friend to get the help and the healing that he needed. Like these guys took this paralyzed man and carried him all the way from his home and got him to where Jesus was. And when they got to the place where Jesus was, there was a crowd that was blocking them, but they were so desperate for their friend to get the healing and the help that he needed that they worked their way through the crowd, got him up on top of the roof of the home where Jesus was, dug a hole through the roof, lowered him down to Jesus so that he could get what he needed from Jesus. Like they were desperate to get their friend the help and the healing that he needed. In John chapter 15, verse 13, it says this, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And yes, that's talking about the crucifixion. And yes, that's talking about Jesus being our friend and being our brother and him sacrificing his life for us to receive salvation. But that can also be used in the context of friendship. That there's no greater love than someone who sacrifices their time for a friend. That there's no greater love than someone who sacrifices their resources for a friend. That there's no greater love than someone who will do whatever it takes to help their friend get the healing and the help that they need. Like, there's no greater love than that. That that's what friendship is. Are there people in your life who desperately want what's best for you? Do you have people in your life who desperately want 
what's best for you. Are you that for somebody else? Like, do you have people and relationships that you're connected with that you desperately want what's best for them? Like, you know you can't do it for them, but you're going to do everything in your power to help them get the healing that they need and help them to become closer to Jesus. Like, do we have those people in our lives? Are we that person to somebody else? Do you have people in your life that you know without a shadow of a doubt that they're praying for you, that they're supporting you, that they're not just talking about you, but they're defending you? Do you have friends who share their knowledge with you? Do you have friends who encourage you, who respect you, who defend you? Like that's friendship. Like, like if you do not have that in your life, then my prayer is that you would have new godly relationships be built in your life and that you would put yourself out there and seek the godly friendships that we all so desperately need in our lives. Back to Ruth and Naomi. I love their story. When Naomi was ready to give up and to go back home and to live out the rest of her life in misery and just grieve until her death, Ruth stepped up and she realized that I'm grieving and she's grieving and we need to help each other to process this. That Ruth realized that Naomi needed her and that she also needed Naomi. Ruth placed herself in a very vulnerable place that when Naomi asked her to go away, Ruth said, no, I will not leave you and I will not end this friendship. She placed herself in a vulnerable position to be rejected and to be hurt. She placed herself in that position. But guess what? In order to gain friends, we have to be a friend. In order to gain new friends, we have to show ourselves to be friendly and to be available. We have to open ourselves up and be friendly to people in our lives that we know are godly and that are good for us and that we can be good for them as well. We are not meant to do life alone. Like That's just the truth of the matter. We're not meant to do life alone. It's not a cliche. Like, biblically speaking, we are better together, and God designed us for friendship and for godly relationship. We need one another. We need one another. And the sooner we realize this, then the sooner we can receive our healing. And that's just the truth of the matter. In James chapter 5, I'll close out with this. It says this, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Like the Bible's telling us, talk to each other. Tell each other, tell your godly community, your godly friendships. Tell those people what you're going through. Tell them what you're really feeling. Be open, be vulnerable, be humble, be honest. Tell them what your struggles are. Like confess to one another. And then he says to pray for one another. Like there is your key example and the key fruit of a godly friendship is do you pray for one another? 
Like, do you go to God on behalf of the friends in your life? Do your friends go to God on behalf of you? The Bible says, confess to one another and pray for each other, and then you will receive the healing that you need. So here's my prayer for us, is that we'd open up ourselves, be vulnerable, and be friendly to the people around us, and watch and see what God does, and see how that relationship develops over time, and see how God brings friends into our lives that we need at that moment, at that time, and even friends for a lifetime. If you would say, hey, I don't have time to build relationships, then I would say you're wrong. If you're saying that you don't have time to build godly relationships, then I'm telling you that you're saying that you don't have time to receive the healing and the wholeness that you need. If you're saying that I don't want to put myself out there uh, and build new relationships and build godly friendships, then I'm saying that you're saying that you don't want to receive your healing, that you don't want to receive the wholeness that God has for you. And that's going to come about through relationships. So guess what? Let's humble ourselves. Let's make ourselves vulnerable. And let's watch and see how God develops the friendships that we all need in our lives. God bless you. I'll see you next time. I'll probably do about three more episodes. And then I'll take a break from the podcast. And I'll announce to you when the next season of the podcast will launch. God bless you. I'll see you next week for episode number eight for the Life His Way podcast. Thanks.